That's me on the podcast Sharing a song With something to say about it With Thin Lear And Niagara Moon Losing my opinion Well, Thin Lear, I gotta say I'm a little disappointed today. Why? You still hosting a podcast with me? I show up to these things wearing a three-piece suit, and you're in your jam jams over there. I want to be comfortable for this shit. I'm supposed to be supposed to put on airs for you and our listeners? No. Is that how you address for work for the for the job of your dreams? I don't think so. From the top half up, no. From the bottom half down, who knows? Party who knows time. what's going on? Yeah. Well, we got a Fourth of July coming up. You got anything special mm. planned? Is Daddy going to be working the grill? <laughs> um. Probably not. There are a lot of fireworks around here. There's a lot of giant flags. They just better not wake the baby. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I think that's going to be a tough one, but fingers crossed for you. Fingers crossed. Hey, there was a song I forgot about from last week's Weird Al experience. Uh, he did an Eye of the Tiger version Oh, called um, Rye or the Kaiser. Like World War One. I, I don't remember themed? exactly what. <laughs> I think it was more sandwich themed. Oh. Like a Kaiser roll or rye bread? You are a, a deli expert, so. Yeah, it's like he was talking directly to me. But I, yeah, I forgot about that. Um, that was a great one. So uh, I just wanted to bring that up. And I haven't actually delved into more Weird Al since we last spoke, but I plan on it. It's on my list. Uh, it seemed like you were more moved by it than I thought you would be. Uh, I was and wasn't. I don't know. I'm glad he's there. He's always comfortable enough to come back to, but I'm, I'm, humor is, is hard. It's like, what, what's your sense of humor? Do you find something funny or not? That, that's a bigger question than I feel like we can cover. Well, I think anyone that listens to this show knows that humor is hard. Oh, yeah, you really feel it. What is this show, by the way, so we don't steamroll over? Well, I'll tell you what. It is the podcast Losing My Opinion. Mm-hmm. I am... So I was telling you I got a new phone. I am Dongle Despising, uh, indie artist Niagara Moon, a.k.a. Thomas <laughs> Irwin. Well, I don't love dongles, so I, you, you're kind of putting me in a rough spot. Um, I am Dongle Ambivalent, uh, indie musician Thin Lear, a.k.a. Matt Longo. It's, it's harder and harder to get a new phone that you can just plug in a headphone jack. I don't understand what this world's yeah. coming to. It's freaking nuts. It's, just, it's too many companies. Bring back the jack. Yeah. Hashtag bring back the Jack. Hashtag Jack life. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Don't get confused by that statement. He's talking about the... Jack life. And on this podcast, <laughs> we investigate the, the depths of popular music or sometimes the surface, whatever we're feeling. Uh, we come in with, with songs we, we have some sort of feeling about, mm-hmm. uh, some sort of take to share. The other person has no idea what to expect. We're always coming in blind. Uh, and we relish the art of the surprise. I have no idea what to say, even oh, sometimes. That, yeah, I, most of the time. Uh, and also, any listener of this podcast knows that we like to rock. Yes, thank you for saying it with me. We like to rock on this show. Often talk about hard rock music. You know, we're both gearheads. Uh, anyone that knows us knows that. So 
uh, today. You are kind of non-ironically. I, you're being silly with me, but I, I think you like to rock out. I think only in comparison. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I, I, yeah, you know, sometimes I like to rock. Yeah, as I've said before, I'm delicate. But uh, what, what, you got something heavy over there? No, definitely not. It's not heavy. Uh, it's about guitar, though. You know, I very rarely, I think, do we talk about guitar on this podcast about music, which is hilarious. I don't play guitar. I only play... You don't play it. Keyboard, a little bit of bass. Yeah, it's it's alien to me. I play it, but I, we don't really talk about it. So I think most people know that I am not a guitar head, not really into gear. Like, I play guitar. It's my primary instrument, but, like, it's the tool I use to write music. I almost just look at it in that way. Sure. Um, I think I'm decent at finger picking, I would say. But beyond that, I've never really excelled at anything in particular, nor have I ever been drawn to like guitar histrionics. Have you ever had a phase where you went through like the guitar histrionic people? I can't say I have. I'm sure I've had my like electronic synthesizer production version of sure. that, but I never got into the the Randy Rhodes or whatever. <laughs> exactly. That's a, that's a great reference, you know, like, and I know I'm not silly like i know when someone is great i can listen to eddie van halen and say that's incredible what he's doing and i even like some of the music um having said that i don't like a ton of guitar centric like lead guitar centric music the widdly wah stuff yeah you know like it gets um when it gets pretty wanksty i tend to avoid even in my own music having straight up guitar solos because it was just like always so hard for me to find a sound that didn't make me wonder why I shouldn't just use another instrument instead. Uh, maybe it's a contrarian. Have you ever even played an electric guitar? I do play electric. I play electric on, on it's hard to imagine. Uh, some songs, but it's like, yeah, mostly I write on acoustic. Definitely don't really play lead. And it's just kind of not where my own music goes. Like, it very rarely does it call for a lead guitar solo. But... There are a handful of guitarists out there for whom their musicianship is just like otherworldly. It forces me to rethink how I feel about the instrument and its potential limitations. I'm making an argument for one of those great guitarists today. I would say one of the greatest guitarists of all time. Mm. I think that's like a hot enough take. I don't want to get into like debate about ranking or whatever and it's not about that. But when I think about who has touched me the most with just pure playing of this one instrument, it's probably this artist. And I hope that you don't know them because it would be more interesting. Uh, Tom Verlaine. Do you know Tom Verlaine? Oh, okay. Hmm. I like Marky Moon a lot, television. Sure. But that that's right. all I know. That's it. Um, so Tom Verlaine passed away recently, top of 2023. Uh, really a shock to hear it. It's not like he was super prolific, but like, you know, television, 70s band, late 70s band, had two records, third in the 90s. Uh, as a solo artist, he was pretty active in the 80s and like less so after that. There's some great stuff in there. But for the uninitiated, I want to focus on like their classic period. Um, you said you know the record, Marquee Moon. Yeah. Do you enjoy it? Do you like that I'm record? a fan. I like that album a lot. Yeah. You know, it's one of those you wonder if they're almost inspired by Bach, mm. like the the way the the counterparts blend together. There's some really interesting ideas as to what like two or three guitars can do with each other. Totally composition wise, yeah. I think they're the best band to emerge from that CBGB scene. 
Uh, you know, that talking heads beats them, no question, but go on. I disagree. I completely oh, disagree. What? You're nuts. I think they're one of the most creative bands of the 70s, period. And it's all predicated on Verlaine's playing. That And the rhythm section is incredible. Uh, Billy Fika on drums, Fred Smith on bass. They're just amazing. Uh, there's also, Verlaine has like a Scotty Pippen in the band. This guy, Richard Lloyd, was the other guitarist in television. He's also brilliant. He's always like a counterpoint to Verlaine. Uh, they, they also used to have Richard Hell, uh, but he's splintered off into his own band, and there's no way that would have worked. But Verlaine's playing is always in the spotlight, and he does things with the instrument that move me in ways that like I'm still trying to understand today. You know, when I was a teenager, he was like conjuring emotions with his playing that like I didn't know I had, and I imagine that's what people feel when they like get into the guitar histrionics. Um, I don't know, I can't say, but. I want to start out with a tune that I don't think that you've heard before. I would guess you haven't. Uh, Little Johnny Jewel. Have you ever heard this song? I wasn't aware of anything he did before or after Marky Moon. That's the only thing on my radar. So I'm, I'm okay. coming in fresh here. Pretty tight window. Should I stop? <laughs> the fuck are you doing? Sorry, I was trying to put up a zoom backdrop and this got all out of control here. See, look, he's wearing a T-shirt. You got no problem with that, right? He's earned it. I haven't earned it. You know, if you can tread like him, we'll talk. I cannot. Uh, Little Johnny Jewel, their first single. I want to keep in. I want you to keep in mind this is the band's very first single. Like, it's not even on their first album. This is how they arrived. Like, totally fully formed. This is how confident Tom Verlaine was in his capabilities from the jump. And I want to. Check it out. I want to see what it makes you think. I mean, I think of this playing as like a dialogue with the listener. This is guitar as storytelling. It's not like he's just like space filling with shredding. Right. But um, yeah. Yeah. How come television have so few albums? They just couldn't stay together as a, a unit. Like some of them wanted to just go off on their own or. Yeah, it was, it was too volatile of a situation. I don't think Verlaine is like the easiest to work with. And I think it 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 uh, it makes it magical, you know. Those 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 two albums are pretty classic, and you know, it's that conversation we were having. I forget what band we were talking about, but like um, maybe it was Weezer, right? Like if 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 television had gone on and gone through like a horrific '80s period, like a lot of those bands did from the, from most of them the late '70s, pretty much all of them, yeah. Maybe we wouldn't be talking about them in the same way as like this sort of great. Almost like a the, the the what if question that mm. music nerds just love to be able to chew on that. Sure. Um, you know, Jeff Mangum knows it well. Yeah, and you don't even have to die young. You can just stop making music. Yeah, it's like a special status of like one album wonder. Mm. There's there's a few bands that fall into that category, not a ton, but yeah, Marquee Moon. Like you see that album cover everywhere, and they have this sort of like looming status in like 70s alt rock history but then yeah people like me that's as, as far as i ever get but the, and that's like you know think about like how many guitar revivals are you could really draw a straight line to his playing in this band like i remember when you know think about like when there was that period where you had like you know the strokes and uh to a lesser degree like franz ferdinand and stuff like that like 
I, I think certainly with Franz Ferdinand, a band like that, like they would not exist without television. The Strokes for sure got their yeah. their their sound from television largely, yeah. I remember the guy, I don't remember his name. He seems like a nice guy, but this was ridiculous. They asked him in an interview, like, oh, what do you think of the television or whatever? He's like, oh, I think Marquee Moon is overrated. It's like, who said this? this, this Al- like, Albert Hammond Jr. or something? No, no, no. The guy from Franz Ferdinand. Oh. It's like Alex Kronos or something. It would be like if Greta Van Fleet, like you asked them, like, what do you guys think of Led Zeppelin? And they were like, oh, they're really overrated. <laughs> like, it's like, you know, when, when you're aping. Bite, bite the hand that feeds you. Much, yeah, yeah, like just, it's fine. I like some Franz Ferdinand songs, but like, come on, y'all. It's like, geez, Louise. Yeah, Little Johnny Jewel. This is, I want to listen to like the first minute or so of it. It's just part one and two. This is a uh, yes. long tune we're looking at. Okay, so this yes. is on Marky Moon. This is the version. It is not. Oh, what? Yeah, it's their first single. It's not on that record, though. This might, it might be some expanded edition oh, where they okay, shoehorned okay. it in. Right. So we're listening to the early stuff. Yeah. I mean, really, it's this. This is the early stuff. This is the All one right. song that they came out with before that record. I've never heard something that so much sounded like it was about to fall apart, but was also super tight. <laughs> yes. Like way more than yeah. the Kinks. That's a great uh, way of describing this band. Like it, it does. How is it staying it's, together? <laughs> it's combustible. Like it's combustible materials. Um, it, it feels like the wheels are going to come off at any moment. And like the fact that it's so he can snap from at the beginning where it's like, what the fuck is happening? And then he'll snap into something that's so tight and angular and harsh, but then like pop over to something that sounds a little sweeter. 
It's like schizophrenic. Yeah, it is schizophrenic. It's it's alternately sweet and soft and and chaotic and controlled, and it's the thing that made this band so special that they could like cut fiercely, uh, and then blossom into like kind of a heavenly floating space. It still sounds fresh to me. Like this still sounds like, you know, if this was on like stereo gum next week, oh, I would believe it totally, totally. Aside from like the sort of static tape fuzz sound in the background right totally modern totally contemporary approach to rock yeah yeah let's listen to another tune that i you i'm pretty sure you haven't heard um it's patty smith's song actually it's a hey joe version so hey joe in parentheses this is pure chaos like what he's doing on this song this is the earliest recording we're listening to today this is like 74 so this is very much pre-television's breakout in uh, 77. But... So this is like know, Jimi Hendrix, Hey Joe? Yes, exactly. Okay. The, the very same uh, song. You know, Patti Smith really takes it to a different direction. I bet, And yeah. there's, you know, a lot... Uh, she's definitely doing the lion's share of the work on this song, but I think that without Tom Verlaine's playing, it wouldn't go to the heights that it goes to. Um, and this is like pretty pretty out there it's pretty far out playing you know I, i'm not sure that he hits a note that is like within the range of the of the song but damn doesn't he just conjures a monster on this one and it, and it it works perfectly it's like this rumbling chaos and for anyone who thinks listens to this and thinks like oh this is easy to do just mm-hmm. try just to like make noise on a song and have it sound interesting and emotional on any instrument and not completely disruptive see how long it takes for you to feel like a jackass uh probably not very long you know, it's it's how how do you make something chaotic with purpose is really, really hard to do. So, yeah, let's listen to this one. Let's start around around a minute 30 in. And uh, I remember the first time I heard this song, I was like in a college class. It was like an intro to music class. And there was like a really far out instructor. And like, this is one of the songs that he considered to be like in the pantheon of Jeez. tunes that we should all listen to. He must have had tenure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a good, that's a good gig. You're teaching that class, you can play this song. Uh, but in a way, he was kind of right, because this song, I think, showed people what New York was capable of at that time. And uh, it was really one of the first things to come out of that scene. It was really early on, and it's like Patti Smith and Tom Verlaine, and they went on to do, to do their own thing. Like, Horses hadn't come out yet for Patti Smith. You know, television wasn't really doing its thing. So um, it's an important song, and I think his playing, like, Really, he set a template here for stuff that would come in the future. All right. So this is uh, my intro to music now, uh, going with Patti mm-hmm. Smith's <laughs> yeah. version of Hey Joe. Yeah, you get credit for this one. The B-side was a song called The Piss Factory. Yes.
That's just fucking crazy. I mean, it's like, it's how do you make something that's chaotic and also understated at the same time? Right, it's not getting in the way of the vocal at all. No drums, like no. where do you find the one? It's combustible, like you said. It's about to just. I love, I love this song so much because it's like, it's two nascent geniuses, like just figuring out what they're capable of together. And very, how rare is that? You know, when you have like two people who go on to do incredible things that are just like woodshedding uh, on a song. It's not accidental that it's great to listen to, but like, you know, you, you hear them figuring themselves out and uh, it's just fantastic. Like it's, it's just so interesting and emotional. And like, was the first time I heard, uh, I was really a kid when I heard this, like something that experimental over a pop song and the fact that they made it work was like, you know, I was into like Radiohead and stuff at the time and it was, it, they're great, but I think I considered elements of what they did experimental, uh, which maybe it's, it still is. But then I think I heard that and was like, oh, oh. like you can go even further out, be this, this chaotic and it still works within the context of pop music. And like, that's what he was able to do. Wow. I'd like to hear him have played with Can. That's a great, that's a that would be a great combination. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like AI could get on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When they start to be able to do guitar, guitar uh, histrionic parts. Yeah, I think that like, you know, he he was around for a while and he did a lot of cool stuff. I I, I still, it's still one of those situations where you wanted to hear more of him. You know, I, I I would love to have heard him play and collaborated with many more artists, but he's like an insular person. Yeah. So like. I'm I'm ignorant here. What did he do after Marky Moon? Like that came out in what, 76, 78? And then Oh, uh, that came out in 77. 70 Okay, so where was the guy for the rest, you know what I mean? Like what, what was he life? involved with? So, um, they came out with another record the very next year called Adventure, which is a really good album. Like I it, it kind of gets a short shrift cuz it's like how do you follow up Marky Moon? Um, you know, it almost makes you feel like uh you know, it's like Pearl Jam or something, or like where, where it's like when you make your, your first album is like kind of your biggest statement. How do you come back from that? I think Adventure is like really, it's an un, more of an understated record. It's a little bit softer, hmm. uh, but it's still really great. And then after that, they kind of imploded and he had his own solo career, which is really interesting. Like there's good oh, okay. stuff in there. So he um, released a bunch of albums under his own name. Yeah, yeah, mostly through like the through the '80s, and then he kind of, kind of dwindled after that. I think he he didn't um, he it was never as much on the cultural radar as he was uh, from from this point. But they mm. weren't like a hugely popular band. I think it's almost like a Velvet Underground thing where it's like, uh, it's, just, it's a musician's musician situation. It's the the monstrous level of influence, yeah. and it's just like you know, like talk, comparing to Talking Heads is like insanity. Like they never. They never reached the heights of popularity that that band reached, and you know, same same as the Ramones. I I think I I feel like they were the most creative band to come out of that scene, and uh, also probably the most influential and the least popular. 
I probably most influence relative to how popular. Like if if you knew about them and were into th- and were into them, much like the Velvet Underground, chances were like you st- then started a band. That's, that's like that famous yeah that Brian Eno quote, which is great. Yeah, it's great because you, you hear this music and it, you can still it feels like your own. There's, ne- there's definitely nothing on here that's like overplayed on rock radio. Certainly, I don't think I've ever heard anything off Marky Moon. Closest you get is maybe like the first minute of the title track, Marky Moon. Right. Maybe, but a lot of people I can't imagine know that song. There, so there, there are two tracks from Marky Moon that I was considering listening to. Uh, we don't have to listen to both of them. Uh, one of them was uh, the song Venus. Because it's just so busy. Oh, Venus de Milo. I know that one. Right. That's it's, a good one. It's so busy, but it's, again, it's understated at the same time. He's doing all this intricate work behind the melody, but he never steps in the vocals. And maybe someone well-versed in music theory could explain that, but like, it, it's, I don't know how he does it. Uh, but Marquee Moon, I think, is, I'm going to be hyperbolic here, probably the best guitar solo I've ever heard. It is a fucking jam. It's no a jam. on that. I'm kind of cheating because it's like very long. So it can go into all these different sections. Uh, there's a breakdown in there that sounds like a bomb goes off. And then it opens up into this sonic palette that I've never heard before. I don't know if you know the moment I'm referring to, but it's like mm, the clouds open up. Mm. Let's listen to that section. Um, started around like 4.30. This is like kind of the beginning of that solo section. Just want to set this context for the listener. It's almost a little Almond Brothers esque, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Let's go to like 720. Because I think it's like really the next section. Oh, yeah, this really, this stretches on for a while here. Listen through. Yeah. <laughs> this Another ten minutes. Pretty tight. He doesn't go noisy here though, it's very melodic. No. No.
such a journey, this song, and it's like totally piloted by the lead guitar in a non-annoying way. Just wait till this one section, because I want to just hear this this drop. This right here. Soaring through the clouds. I've never heard a sonic palette that sounds like this. The guitar sounds like a seagull. <laughs> it does. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Amazing. We're really treating ourselves here today. Incredible. Um, yeah, when I talk about guitar playing that moves me, Verlaine's work does it pretty consistently. Like, I hear his voice in his playing, his real voice. I feel like his physical voice was was secondary to his mm. the voice you hear through his guitar. And it's like, I envy that as I just have the one voice. But there's a, a fiercely unique magic that he just consistently conjures with his his parts. And... You know, definitely I was grateful I found it when I did, or I might have given up hope on guitar and, and what, what was possible with it. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's almost like he, I was, I was already playing at that point, but it's like being reintroduced to your instrument. And I definitely don't play anything like this, but it, it, uh, it expands your potential limitations. It's just like, it just pushes your borders out a little further even if you aren't actually playing this style of music. And that's what I think good guitar players, guitar players do. Wow. Wow. An inspirational tale. Yeah. Yeah. I hope I've, I've inspired like some folks today. If you, if you're listening to this and you haven't heard Marky Moon, uh, the album, I was trying to explain Marky Moon to somebody before. Not and they Marky were like, Mark. Right. They were like, like Marky, like M-A-R-K. No, uh, Marky, like on a, uh, like a sign. Uh, it's a, it's a, brilliant record it's like a perfect album you gotta check it out it's still there's a lot that sounds like it but nothing that comes close to it and now so thomas yeah what have you been listening to listen my opinion me i've been listening to some good stuff this week i'm coming in here today with some more good music okay at least i think so I'm making a lot of assumptions this week okay i'm assuming so this is a band i i definitely like a lot I like many of their albums. I would definitely consider them an influence on Niagara Moon, like their ethos towards songwriting and definitely arranging and just being imaginative with with production and embracing the the creative wonderland that is uh, the recording process. Uh, I think that you're not going to like this band if you're not already familiar with them. I think if you were a fan of this artist that would have come out already. I think for whatever reason, I have some theories, but I, I think they, you're not really going to jive with them. Okay. But I'd be happy to be wrong. But I don't think so. I have uh, a few different arguments I'd make with this band. I definitely say they're one of the best bands of the 80s. I might even say they're in the top five. I can't say they're the best because you already, you know, you got your prefab sprout and your talking heads and, and the police, but they're... Of that status for me. They're in that club. Yikes. Okay. Uh, and Jeez. Uh, I have another argument I would make on their behalf, but maybe I'll say that for a little bit later. But I am talking about the wonderful band called XTC. Hmm. You know... Uh, the tepid response so far. 
what I've heard from them, I haven't like loved, but mm-hmm. I haven't disliked it. Um, I just never heard, I never heard stuff that made me explore further. So I'm prepared to mm. uh, be educated today and and want to explore further. That's that's where I'm at in my mind. I, there's nothing I heard from them that um, where I was like I, I could never get into this. It's just was is one of those bands that I, I didn't go after. Sure, and they're a little overwhelming too. Is it that they have a record like Skylarking? Skylarking, yeah, that's. People point to that one as the the most accomplished or kind of like the most beginner friendly, maybe because it was co-produced with Todd Rundgren and. Well, that's why I know it then. Yeah, I'm a Rundgren fan. They're a band of many ideas. They're they're crowded with ideas. Uh, the music gets a little dense sometimes. Um, the amount of counterpoint and things going on lyrically, and if if ever you mentioned the word angular earlier, if ever a band was angular. Uh, it would certainly be XTC. Mm. I want to find a background. One sec. Talking about angles today on Losing My Opinion podcast. Mm-hmm. Kind of same era as television, really, when they started. When they started, like, yeah. Um, but they continued on for a while, like into the late 90s. And I would argue that their peak, for me, like their most interesting stuff didn't really come about until like over 10 years in. Um, they just kept evolving and evolving in a really interesting way that kind of ran contrary to like all the other groups of that era. Like it's really weird to think that they were um, active in the, the late 80s, early 90s, like with the sort of ethos they had. And in fact, that's another argument I'm going to make today is I think they carry the spirit of like a, a Sgt. Pepper's, like a, a studio-based psychedelic Beatles. I think they carried that spirit with them more than any other group, certainly of the 80s. I think they're like the next kind of spiritual successor. Wow. That's um, a big statement. I mean, they, they got a lot of different sounds, though, a lot of different periods. The early stuff is is your, your post-punk, new wave, whatever kind of awkward title you want to throw on it, like very kinetic, hmm. fast, uh, punky. And we're, we're going to start from there. That's going to be kind of our baseline. That's not like my favorite stuff. Uh, but there are some great songs from that early period when they still had their drummer, Terry Chambers, and they were still a performing act. And that's where their uh, probably their biggest song came from, though, uh, certainly the one that gets the most attention on Spotify. Uh, you, might, you might be familiar with the tune Making Plans for Nigel. I've, I've heard of it. Right, yeah, I, I couldn't. Out. Yeah, let's listen. Give me like the, if, you, if you're able to adjust on the fly, mm-hmm. give me the, the, the layman's terms experience with them today you know i think mm-hmm. that i've always felt that they were a band that i could potentially get into um but I, you know obviously i need to be shown the right the right way in yeah everybody has their likes and dislikes their catalog is is huge like they could just especially andy partridge the main guy could just not stop writing songs and like each album is super long and it's just they're they're a fountain of ideas all the time different parts different ways to approach uh, like a rhythm section or weird extra textures to throw in there. It's It gets overwhelming pretty quick. Uh, so it's a music nerd's paradise, <laughs> as you can imagine. But um, they always kind of had more of a cult status uh, for that and, and other reasons. But yeah, we're... What I would like to do today, we're going to we're gonna start at the easiest sell and then it's going to get harder and harder as I, uh, I give you just a very rough overall picture of, of kind of the the different sounds, 
they explored and and the the stuff I like. I want to okay. show you their their kind of funkier eccentric side. Um, you may like all these tunes, but I have a feeling as this segment goes on, this is going to get more and more worse and worse. Okay, con- controversial. Yeah, sure. Uh, so let's start with making plans for Nigel. This was uh, this was a solid hit. Great song title. I mean, it's probably no competition for that on on Spotify. I imagine. Oh, they got a lot of funky song names. Don't worry. And so this song, so this is from 1979. Uh, like I said, the earlier period, uh, this is from the album Drums and Wires. Um, this is a song written and sung by Colin Moulding, the band's bassist. So he always contributed less to each album. Like he'd only, of the whole track list, he'd only have like two or three songs, but they would always tend to be the standout ones. Why was that? That's It's just the, that's how a, they had it worked out. Andy Partridge was like just a mill, just generating like 50 a year and and he'd he'd leave just enough room in there for Colin to get his uh Yeah, but then he'd crush it. He'd, yeah, but I get that's just, just how his... they had it worked out. I don't know, maybe he's just a less assuming guy. I I have you know, Andy Partridge plus Todd Rundgren. I can see why that's all-time yeah. uh drama and butting heads like Yeah, you're not I love Andy with... Andy Partridge. I got to imagine he's a control freak and mm. <laughs> he's just he's he's got to really pack it in. He's, he's always got a, a new part to put in there, a new arrangement he wants to work out. And it's great stuff for the most part. But this is so, this is a Colin Molding tune. Like I said, a lot of their kind of greatest songs happen, happen to be Molding songs, but Partridge has got the goods all day long, too. But without further ado, let's listen to some uh, Making Plans for Nigel. <laughs> Good stuff, I would that's say. That's good. That's really good. I understand why that was a hit, certainly. So, yeah, that's the easy sell. That's kind of the crossover beginner-friendly pick, I would say. Um, so that was 1979. A couple albums later, they stopped becoming a performing act. They stopped touring. Like, Andy Partridge had a meltdown, partially brought on by, like, quitting Valium after 
being addicted half his life and terrible mm-hmm. management, uh, terrible contract with the record company, just all around financial shit going down. But they kept churning out the goods. Nearly every year, they would have a new album out, chock full of like really interesting, progressive sounding stuff. So they never really slowed down. The 80s, most people would say is their heyday. There's just, they had such a run. I'm skipping over a lot of that to get to the next song I want to show you. Okay. We're, we're fast forwarding all the way to 1989. Oh, that was a big jump there. Yeah. <laughs> we've, we've, gone, we've gone past Skylarking, Mummer, however you pronounce it, The Big Express. Are we going to hear any Skylarking today? Uh, maybe at the end if you're good. Okay. Uh, good. But what I really, it's this was hard. This was fucking hard this week to just decide three songs to show you. I struggled with this for a while, but... I want to skip to the album from 1989, Oranges and Lemons. Might be my favorite of theirs overall out of their whole discography. It's hard to say, though, but they're going real psychedelic. They're going real out there with like the kind of percussion they're using, uh, different kind of world music styles they're influenced by. It's just all over the map, but there's still some solid pop hooks. Uh mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd be I'd be curious what your reaction's going to be to this next one. This is uh, we're going into Andy Partridge land for sure. And you think I'm not going to like this? I think it's going to be too much for you. Uh, wow. I don't I'm not sure you're going to like his voice. It might just be too too overwhelming, but Sure. Overwhelming in the sense of like it's busy, like It's just what? busy. Yeah. Oh, all oh, this is a crowded album. There's a lot okay. going on at all times, but it's immaculately put together all the same. Huh. And uh former guest of the pod Jesse Gilmwalter's Basic Printer. Uh, Basic Printer knows what's up with this album and this tune. Poor Skeleton steps out. Hmm. Okay. This is some genre bending stuff here. yourself i knew you weren't gonna like it uh the arrangement's great uh-huh. it's very cool sure sure uh i could listen to that maybe 50 or 60 times and not be able to tell you what the melody is <sighs> and i think that's probably why i don't i just i love a strong melody and uh yeah <laughs> i knew it's, it i knew it his voice is not 
bad. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's like that David Byrne kind of thing, like that back of the throat singing. It's the back of the throat. Um, and, and Talking Heads, like, they got, you know, they can get pretty busy. But I think it was also, like, you heard the necessity of each part. You know, I, I'm not, I, I don't. All I these parts are just joking around. Take out any one of them. Who cares? <laughs> it was it was um, masterfully created. Like <laughs> there's so many ways of saying it's good without saying you you uh, liked it. <laughs> I like the arrangement. I think the arrangement was uh-huh. interesting. But you know, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't love the melody. I couldn't latch onto it. Yep. Yep. I knew it. See, I, yeah. I know you. <laughs> I know your ways. Yeah. So if you can believe it, that was the mid-tier hard sell. We're going to get even more avant-garde oh, in a second here. Yeah. It's pretty awkward and clunky to encapsulate their discography, even just in two, three songs. Like it's, um, XTC fans are probably shouting at me that I picked that one over so many others I could have picked. I, I, it's, it's tough. Uh, and I'm going to make things even harder by showing you a song from 1999. So this is a band, they started in the mid-70s. Usually bands of that era, by the time you get to the 90s, it's it's a write-off. Yeah, it's like, it's at best, rap. you're going to get yeah. like the band's Jericho. You know, how many like great 90s albums are there from like 70s rock bands? Hmm. You're kind of resting on your laurels at that point, or you're just broken up, or whatever the case may be. Yeah. But some of their best stuff was in this, like, one of their last albums, uh, which is called Apple Venus Volume 1. They wanted to release just, like, a gigantic double album, but Virgin Records made them chop it up into two releases. I'm, I'm not into Volume 2 much. That that doesn't do it for me. But uh, Al- Apple Venus Volume 1, 1999, uh, they were into their orcustic sound, as they call it, or- orchestral <laughs> meets acoustic, orcoustic. I know you're uh, chomping at the bit to hear this. Can't now. wait. <laughs> uh, Love that explanation. The songwriting is still, it's, it's top of their game. They're exploring arrangements in a way that like I haven't heard from any other artist. And I would argue like they're the 70s rock band that like mastered the 90s. Like they did more interesting stuff in that decade than like any other of their contemporaries, I would argue. Um, none such, which is, a good deal or a, earlier, but still like maybe 92, like that's a great record, chock full of interesting ideas. And then we get, we get to the, um, orchestral sound here, orcoustic. And this is very exciting stuff to me. And I don't think you're going to be into it one iota, but we'll see. <laughs> hey, you never know, you know, uh, I want to show you the song river of orchids. And the first thing we're going to do is I should probably skip past the first minute because it takes, a long time to start up, uh, which, you know, we got to truncate things a little bit here. But just imagine a minute of, like, the sound of occasional, like, water droplets and then, like, like pizzicato string and cello sounds, like, coming in and out, ducking and weaving and starting to, like, slowly come together into a jigsaw puzzle. And then you have what we'll hear next. Okay, I'm ready. Thank you. 
feel like this one's gonna give you a nosebleed. I like this one better than the last oh. one. Just like a mad dog, you're chasing your tail in a circle. Mm. Just like a mad dog, you're chasing your tail in a circle. Pretty out there stuff, I'd say. Yeah, this one has like a groove to it, though. Oh, the other one didn't with the tablas. Uh, no, but this is like there's there's a the there's a melody to this one that I latch onto. That, Which like, one you hear it in the, of the in five? The, the the one in the strings that sort of like sets the sets the uh, template for the rest okay. of the tune. It's almost like this guy, I mean, not the first song, because that's like a different band that we listen to, but, you know, in these last two songs, it's almost like they treat the vocal melody as just kind of ancillary to the music itself. Yeah. Which is, you know, I think there are bands like that that I like and others I don't. And I, I think it would be hard to argue that the, the vocals, vocal melody is the central focus of these songs. I mean, it's kind of just another instrument, the way they look at it. And that one... um, that string arrangement is is great and and carries the song and then everything else kind of drops in around it. Uh, and there's a cool groove that they build with that. Those horns doing their thing. Um, yeah, I could I could definitely get into that. Okay. Um, sound if I listen to it more. It was easy to, to kind of meditate on it. All right, Apple Venus Volume One might be the. Uh, well, you know what we can do if if I have the floor for like one more song. I'll maybe I'll I'll show you one of their like no brainer solid pop hook hits. Yeah, I had a feeling you would not make it easy for me to like this yeah. band today. I think you know I, there's definitely uh, hearing the the trajectory from that first tune to this one. Like I didn't get to actually hear the trajectory, but to 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 be able to see the leap uh, is impressive. And I think speaks volumes about the restlessness of their creativity, which is always a sign, I think, of great artists. For sure. Uh, yeah, let's uh, let's go back to the '80s for this last pick. And mm, what should we go with here? Because I could go with the Terry Chambers era. Like I could do a Sergeant Rock is going to help me. I could do a Senses working overtime is catchy as hell. Hmm. You know what? I'm got. I'm gonna go back to oranges and lemons. I know everybody says skylarking, skylarking, but I I think there's just she's very I down mean, on that record. I love it. It's still great, but it's it doesn't it doesn't have the immediate catchiness uh, as much as you might think for like the status that that album has. Hmm. Um, I'd say even Mummer has like more, you know, quote unquote like hits. Uh, but it, it's Skylarking is still wonderful on, on my old Niagara Moon podcast, uh, me and old uh, Dan Barracuda uh, both gushed about it. And it's uh, it always it hits nice. But I think I'm going to this is so hard. Yeah, I'm going to go. Fuck it. I'm going back to Oranges and Everything Lemons. Everything hinges on this. Like if I don't yeah. like this song. I'm going back to Oranges and Lemons because never... I want to play one of the biggest hits, one of their catchiest songs. I know you don't like Jangle Pop, but I'm I'm still... I'm going to take the risk. Uh, I don't like it as much as you. I don't like it, but... Mayor of Simpleton. Let's do Mayor of Simpleton. 
Are you insulting me or is that the name of the song? That's the name of the song. Okay. Uh, this is just perfect pop song from like the wordplay to the freaking bass line to the vocal melody. This is, I don't think you can fuck with this, but I'm sure you'll try. <laughs> Elvis Costello. It's <laughs> a good point. With a few more chords. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a little crazier bass line than Elvis. But. You know what? This worked out better than we expected then. Yeah. You- I think what might be in order is I should make you an XTC playlist. Because I know you better than anybody else when it comes to your taste and your potential liking of XTC songs. I think I'll I'll give you the okay. best twelve. Yeah, you got to ease me into it. Yeah, you know, yeah I, I think yeah. You, we we made a jump today that seemed crazy, and that's why I told you at the beginning. <laughs> I said, "Don't do crazy shit." You know, just make it easy on yourself. And you you were able to do it for one song, and then you kind of just did what you wanted to do. Well. I want to show you what I like about the band, and you can have your own adventure. Well, yeah. (laughs) I think it's possible. This podcast is about me, right? This is, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think it's possible for me to like this band. I really do. All right. Yeah, because I remember you you showed, uh, there's that classic moment on the podcast with my wife, Emily, where you chose, like, the most angular talking head song you could possibly Take a look at these hands! (laughs) Right, and it's just like... Good God, man. Just making it so hard on yourself. Oh, but that's the best stuff. Sure. <laughs> well, uh, you you do your, your own homework on XTC. You get back to me if you think that they're, if they're the Sgt. Peppers of the 80s, if they really kept that, that kind of ethos and tradition alive like no other band of that era, because I sure think they did. I think they have a wonderful, engaging, weird, uh, immersive discography. For anybody who wants to take the leap, and uh, and that's it. What did we learn today? I think we learned that we are both on the same angular wavelength this week. I think we're coming at things from the, the same angle. All about the angles, if nothing else. Yeah. I uh, I learned I got to check out Adventure. It sounds like it's yeah, worth... Yeah, it's a good record. It, it's better than good. It's a great record. It's just, you know, it's kind of just buried. That'll happen. Well, if you like this episode of the... V- start over well well (laughs) 
<laughs> if you enjoyed this episode of Losing My Opinion, go ahead and leave us a rating or a review. Subscribe so you never miss a future episode. You can follow Losing My Opinion on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok, all at Losing My Opinion. Snapchat. I don't understand Snapchat. Do you I have a Snapchat? That, that went firmly over my head. Do, do like artists have Snapchats? Or is this just they like got everything. Artists got Twitch channels. They got OnlyFans, whatever you need. I know the Twitch thing. That makes sense to me. But like a Snapchat? Like what? I don't understand it. The only limit is your own imagination. I guess. That's pretty limited. Well, and what did I say today? You know what? Yeah. Yeah. Thinlier, you in time are capable of becoming a, a firm XTC fan. And I could be wrong now. What is that one supposed to be? You falling out of the back of a truck? Maybe, maybe you are right and maybe you're wrong. And I'll also say so long, suckers. We will see you next week. Mm -hmm.